Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Welcome back to Health Bite. I am extremely excited to be here today with Mrs. Jenny Goldfarb, who is a plant-based sensation right now in California. And um, welcome, Jenny. Oh, wow. Thank you for that intro. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you here. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. And your story, from what I understand, is, is really extraordinary as well. I like to start the, the conversation um, talking about people's food stories, you know, how your food uh, inspired your work and, um, you know, any kind of memories or uh, traditions, celebrations. How did that inform your work and what you're doing right now? Well, uh, you know, food is such an intimate thing for all of us. It's such a, you know, a tremendous way that we get pleasure and that we connect. Uh, and for the Jewish culture, it's, it's every bit as much. In fact, there's a famous saying that uh, most of the Jewish holidays have to do with five words. Uh, maybe it's eight. Seinfeld famously said it. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. So uh, there's this idea that we celebrate pretty much everything with food. And uh, Jewish mothers in particular, like myself, are notorious for shoving whatever foods they can possibly shove down their throat, hopefully delicious ones. And uh, so, yeah, there's a love of food that's, that's innate in all of us and certainly in the Jewish culture. But I do come from a line of, uh, of Jewish delicatessen owners. It was a very common job for uh, immigrants in the uh, pre-World War II time there, uh, coming over, just barely making it you know, across the ocean to save their lives. And my great-grandfather came into Ellis Island and started working, didn't speak the language. He was a teenager and was not with his parents, two brothers that he came in with. Like, so we think, Dr. Dean, we're, th- we're doing uh, wonderful things today. It's like what, what our family- It's awe-inspiring, it really is. Awe-inspiring, yeah. So didn't speak the language, worked as a dishwasher. They used to, you know, we would, we would wash the dishes in the delis and like the classic American dream came to own and operate several New York City delis and cafeterias. And then there were a couple of uh, my, his, his son, my grandfather, and his son, my father, just became business people. But this deli corned beef pastrami was, was latent in my, in my bloodstream. And, and, and then anyway, had an emergence just recently. Yeah, that's extraordinary. And yet you went plant-based. So yeah. can you describe kind of what drove you uh, and what inspired you to go into that direction? Yeah, so I ate meat my whole life, uh, you know, from like anything you can imagine, really. And then uh, I actually got into Judaism for some years, spent a year living in Jerusalem and decided to only eat kosher meat, which is pretty much every kind of meat, but not, you know, pig products, but I was eating pretty much everything. They do a thing where they separate milk and dairy, which I later learned after taking on a plant-based experience that... These are the things that give life, milk, and that take life, meat. And so there's like a reason that they're not eaten together. And of course, in the vegan diet, they're not eaten at all. Uh, but what happened for me was uh, I became a young mom uh, about five, six years ago. And I had one friend on Facebook who started sharing some videos of like, and he was like a cool guy. He went to Cornell. He was a friend of my husband's. I just thought he was like cool. So he was somehow trickling into my newsfeed. I otherwise would never have ever wanted to click on a video like that. But I was like, 
can't possibly be as bad as I imagine it might be, right? And every now and then I'd click on it and, I, you know, I'd, I, I never shared the videos because I wanted to be a cool Facebook friend, but I, I cried and, uh, and I really changed the way I looked at food. And the more I investigated and saw and watched a couple documentaries and, you know, once you click on a few videos, Facebook is like, okay, you're interested in this content, they share with you more. And uh, it's, it's, it's truly heartbreaking and completely unacceptable. And uh, the only reason this is going on is because it's so far behind closed doors. In fact, Paul McCartney has this famous line where he says, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, everyone would be vegetarian. But you know, as glass walls, Dr. Udine, YouTube, <laughs> and more and more people like myself are seeing what's happening and, and we're realizing it's not acceptable. And so it sounds like uh, food became, it's, it's interesting with food, you kind of alluded to this at the beginning, that it is sustenance, right? The way we survive and, and how we fuel our bodies, but it symbolizes so much more, right? Um, and activism and social change is, is one of the things that food can symbolize. And so it sounds like that's very much paired with, um, you know, your work and your decision making. Yeah, well, I, I believe like, you know, kind of from my spiritual backing, I believe in like an integrated, almost holographic kind of system where like, you know, if you're doing this thing to these animals causing so much, you know, to them, like number one, it's heartbreaking, but also what comes out of that karmically or energetically, like it isn't doing good for you. You're putting these kind of, you know, things that were tortured and, and killed off and then in your body when you could be eating something that's alive. So it was like, I wound up seeing it on multiple levels. You know, it started off with just videos of cruelty and then I realized, wow, this can't be really doing my body good. But that then presented a whole host of problems because I was married to a very meat and potatoes husband. I still am, fortunately. And, uh, and I had two young kids at the time and they were like, I don't want to eat any of that food. Like, and I also had no experience in cooking any of that food when I say plant-based foods, you know? So uh, I, I dealt with the backbreaking labor of learning to cook from the produce and grains aisle. And, uh, and boy, I, we Americans have no experience in this, you know? We know how to put a piece of chicken in the oven with a little salt and maybe an herb if we're fancy and pull it out 30 minutes later. So... I'm coming at this like nowheresville, but I started cooking and I had like to like really make him happy quickly. So I had to get my stuff together fast and my two little kids who only want chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. And after a lot of very, very bad meals, the food started getting a little good, a little better and every now and then exceptionally delicious. And I said to my husband, I want to share this with the world. I want to show people this is doable and delicious. You can be a busy mom. I was also working a handful of hours a day. And, and, and you can still put these meals together. And you can cook using food that is alive, that gets the kids sick less often, that helps you lose a few pounds. All, all the stuff. The skin's a little bit, all the stuff. But I, I was in it initially for the animals. And then I saw all the repercussions. But so I started a food blog. And every week I was putting out a new recipe uh, to try and show how doable and delicious it could be. It was a video recipe blog. It's still up. It's countyourcolors.com. And for that, I had to come up with a new recipe every week. And so I realized after a while, there were a lot of delicious plant-based burgers. And there were a lot of ways to make, you know, veggies yummy. But there was no classic New York style corned beef, pastrami, 
what my great grandpa, you know, would have been proud to like know was still in the lineage after all that time. So I set out to recreate it and I just thought it was going to be another recipe I was going to share on my blog. So before you get to that, um, because that is our main attraction, I feel like, I want to extract every bit of juice I can out of you. Um, because this whole concept of cooking veggies and plant-based, it, it is really difficult, but it is that something that people are interested in. Even people who are not interested in going completely vegan or vegetarian, there is a calling for you know, veggie light or plant-based light. I want to know a little bit more about how, was it just trial and error or how did you get yourself from being um, this self-admitted, not so good chef to creating these delicious meals? What was there a process? Was there a class? How did you go about that? The process was I started getting some different cookbooks, Um, but it actually starts, you know, like there's one group on Facebook called Mercy for Animals. And yeah, they'll put out like undercover investigations, which you don't have to watch, you know, you have to uncover it if you're even going to view it. But they'll also put out, hey, it's Thanksgiving. There are nine dishes you can make that are going to like blow everyone's pants off. And, you know, so I started seeing, oh, there are ways to like use this and that and nuts to make dairy and, you know, whatever, ways to mimic meat kind of dishes. And. And after a while, I got a few different cookbooks and friends were buying them for my birthday for me. Like it was clearly what I was like excited about. And, you know, and even still there were some bad meals and then there were some really excellent ones. And, uh, and I realized how much I felt the, the, like, not just the need, but actually the, uh, like just the purpose to have to share these. Right. Right. I like that. The purpose, it seems um, as always, right? It drives um, drives the process and the evolution. So it, it was trial and error and kind of an organic um, evolution. So so then you're you're cooking away these uh, recipes of kale to a meat and potatoes guy, and then mm-hmm. how did that turn into corned beef? <laughs> corned beef, well, not corned know, beef. Sometimes you know when you get like pushback in life, it actually can be the greatest, you know, way that it's oral. Absolutely. So case, right, Dr. Usium? Anyone who's worked hard and, and, and overcome big challenges knows that. So in this case, my in-laws were very big haters of what I was up to. I mean, number one, it, it's, it's kind of the one diet that really challenges people because it makes the other person feel like culpable that they're up to like no good or something. It really hurts people's There's feelings. judgment. I think that there's a sense that there's judgment there. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of judgment, right? But but it but it, it's judgment the other way too, you yes. know. And it's it, 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 it's it's unfortunate because it's um anyway it, it stops people from being open to maybe looking into it because it puts defenses up. So anyway, my in laws certainly felt that way, but they also felt like I was pulling their son and their grandchildren along for this crazy hippie ride that maybe was going to leave them nutrient deficient and without muscles and whatever. So, uh, so they, you know, and, and there's still an extent they come visit, they bring some cheeses, whatever. I mean, they're still like, it's not like, you know, this, but, uh, when they would come visit, they saw what I was feeding them and what I was cooking up and they were like, poo-pooing a lot of my mother-in-law would say, how are you getting your calcium? No problem. Let me tell you, more calcium-rich plants than there are at all, don't worry, you know? And I do my best. A cup of broccoli has the same amount of calcium as a cup of milk, right? So 
that's why we're on with the doctor right now. Mic drop. So, uh, so basically, uh, I, I, I got a lot of, you know, pushback from them. And so when I created this recipe for the corned beef, which again, I thought I was just going to share on my blog, like any other recipe, they tasted it. And they're uh, former New Yorkers. And they said, this is delicious. This tastes like corned beef. This I love. This has 14 grams of protein and two ounces. This is made with beets and chickpea. This is amazing. And, and I, wow, maybe there's something wow. to this one. Cause I previously thought some of the other ones were that good, but for, to hear it from them. There was that validation there. Yeah. And it was actually my mother-in-law who said, Mrs. Goldfarb's corned beef. Like you sound like a 75 year old Jewish bubby. That's a grandma. And, uh, like the you know that weighs like 200 pounds and you know not so uh so that was sort of the she she thought of that and and i i really have to credit them tremendously wow that's fantastic yeah you know i want to go back to this this idea of judgment and um because you're right i think that there is a lot of um people feel alienated from doing something that they may want to do or want to try. And in full disclosure, uh, we're in, we're a, uh, we eat everything almost in, in our home, but we're very health conscious, obviously. And, and primarily plant-based for health purposes, although we don't avoid uh, meat. I do have a almost 16 year old who has gone uh, pescatarian and so, uh, you know, right? Because we're watching YouTube. Yes, yes. Well, and they're, you know, and they're they're educated, and they are savvy, and they are active in their in their communities and in their environment. So I'm very proud of that. But I think that um, I want you to kind of address how would you speak to those people who say, "Look, I don't want to abstain completely. I see where you're coming from. I see the health benefits. I'd like to incorporate that." Um, what's your message to those folks? Well, I'm married to one of those folks. Yeah. So the message happens like uh, four times a day. And uh, I, I'd i say the message is to get as close as you can to eating more and more foods that are alive. You're going to see that it makes you feel physically good. You're going to know that you're putting, you know, positive things for both the earth, the animals, yourself into your body. And the proof is in the pudding. So, you know, as much as you can, you know, whenever you can do it, you know, colorful foods, you know, foods that are even more raw than cooked. I mean, there are so many levels to this. I'm sure you know, Dr. Udine. So, I mean, but to whatever extent you can incorporate more plant-based, do it. Right. And I think that that's a good point to kind of advocate for, um, not having this all or nothing approach, because I think that that kind of uh, disempowers people when they feel like they have to be perfect in order to do something, it kind of throws them off track. So I like that having a more moderate, do what you can do the best you can approach. And that's really, that's how it goes with all of our health um, guidance, right? Like you don't have to be a marathon runner in order to achieve benefits from movement right? Any amount of movement is, is helpful and supports your body. The more, the better, but get started somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, from a health perspective, get started somewhere. From an animal cruelty factor, unfortunately, you can't say any amount is actually okay, but, you know, but still get started somewhere because this will lead to more and more. And of and, course, you know, if you look at it from a population basis, if everybody adopts a more plant approach, even if it's not exclusive, 
it will have a positive impact on that as well. So, so even in that regard, you know, it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. A new stat just came out that the uh, uh, Impossible Whopper has saved a quarter million cows in just this past yeah, year. It's so, incredible. Yeah. yeah. So just you can make big that. strides with small changes. Yeah. So I like to go back a little bit to your um, your Jewish background. I have to tell you, I have you beat because not only do I have a Jewish background, but also a Persian background. So food Ooh. is being shoved, has been shoved, um, you know, in every which way and form. Double threat. Love it. <laughs> yes, right. And then, you know, but now as a mother and also as a physician who really works with food and works at the other end of the spectrum, which is people who have um who are suffering from excess weight and you know 70 percent of the population is overweight and many of them have health problems as a result and so i try hard to reconcile this whole concept of food is love as well as food is fuel you know when it's particularly when it comes to my children um, so I'm interested in your thoughts on that, you know, and how, you, is that something you consider and how you hold that in your mind? Well, as I said, I have, you know, a, a bit of a Jewish background in terms of Jewish spirituality. And there, there is a lot around food that, uh, that if we, you know, can, can sort of, you know, honor it properly. There are actually blessings that are said around all different kinds of foods. Um, Actually, what's interesting is that there's a blessing for grains, for fruits, for vegetables, for wine, for bread, and then everything that's like cheese, fish, meat, chicken, fruit roll-ups, like all that is one other, like everything else umbrella. So little indication to me that the stuff that you're really saying, you know, thank you, God, for growing this thing from the earth, you know, like... Apparently there are 18,000 edible fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, herbs, seeds, and uh, most of humanity are eating the same three animals for most of their meals. So, you know, there's, there's a whole world out there. And, uh, and am I not answering the question? Remind no, the I question. love everything you're saying. And how do you bring all of this to your, your children and your child rearing into your home? Uh, well, we, we do Shabbat every Friday night. I'm very big on that. I work super hard. I sit at the desk, like I pick my kids up from school. I'm still at the desk. And I tell them when, on Friday night, on Saturday, that's it. We're, we're turning things off and, and we sit at the Shabbat table. And what happens? It's not like overly religious, but we say a blessing on the wine. We say a blessing on the bread. We talk about our week a little bit. The kids are young. We're mostly like grab a napkin, do that. But whatever. We sit together at least. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, there's also, you know, a lot of discussion about, you know, eating, talking about eating foods that, you know, don't hurt animals. So my kids are now, today's my daughter's seventh birthday. Oh, and I also have a birthday to your daughter. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and I tell them, you know, when they say, why can't we have the egg and the fried rice? I say, one day you're going to know why mommy's doing all this crazy stuff, you know? So that's sort of how I leave it with them. But uh, yeah, so in terms of like knowing that like, this food like comes from the earth and having a cognizance of this and being thankful for that and taking a second. Actually, my seven-year-old Willow just asked me the other day, she said, oh, like, how does the food like get to Ralph's? She's like, what's the backstory? You know, it's like, I love that you asked me, let's go. And they're like, you know, we talked about how it goes, you know, from a farm, how it's sometimes in a facility, you know, from the earth, how it just comes about. And 
the miraculousness of all of yeah, that. Yeah, that's so wonderful. We're coming up. We're a mo- less than a month away from a holiday known as Tubishvat, which is uh, the new year of the trees, when everything is like dark and everything's cold and there's no flowers budding and nothing's happening. The sap starts to rise from inside and and the trees become alive and the, and the cycle begins again. So uh, we can't take any of this stuff for granted. No, absolutely not. And you, you brought up the this point that I like to talk about that I love, which is... Um, being around the table, right? Bringing your kids around the table, uh, food being a, a way of bringing family together, which is so ingrained, as you said, in the Jewish culture. And um, something that's actually ingrained in many cultures, in Middle Eastern cu- cultures, in uh, Japanese cultures. I shared with one of our guests uh, several weeks ago that I had spent the summer, uh, took my family to Japan, and they actually, in certain provinces, have a law in which you're not allowed to eat while you're walking. And there's actually, I know also a a Jewish law that says the same, that you should be sitting around the table. And yet- Bread and uh, with certain foods, yeah. And yet as Americans, um, you know, being a born and raised American, we, it's a struggle, right? Keeping families at the table. Um, So, and your kids are still young, so you can strap them down a little bit, but talk more about that, about maybe how that came about, is there something in your, yeah. in your history or your background that aligns you to that goal of sitting around the table? I'd like to hear well, more. Yeah, I mean, because I'm interested in general spirituality and living well, I mean, I've like seen studies on, you know, eye contact, being together, experiences versus things, uh, you know, and screen time, you know, this is like, you know, screen time, screen time, screen time. My kids are seven and five. These things are so dazzling to us as well. Um, so, uh, and my husband is a television editor, so he's like an old, he, he, he thinks TV is like part of, you know, how we teach them Torah, we teach them TV, you know? So anyway, uh, we have a little compromise. He shows them old movies early in the morning during sort of his hours. And then for the whole rest of the day, there's really no screen action, unless it's like a FaceTime with a grandma. So there's like, you know, shows on, they come home from school you know, boredom is encouraged. Let them be in the living room and have nothing to do and have to figure stuff out. Um, and then, so it just makes it that sitting around the table is, is totally exciting. You know, it's more exciting than being in the living room by yourself. So yeah, if, I, I think once you start competing with the screens, it's very hard to wrangle the kids around that table, especially if you allow the screens at the table. Try not to do that. But, but either way, yeah, once it's mealtime, I mean, Everyone's hungry, and you know, I I can't claim that we have the deepest conversations at this point in time, like like I like it, like you and I are having right now. But but you're planting but, you know, seeds. You're planting seeds planting for sure. Seeds. Yes. Exactly. I'm in Los Angeles. Aren't you in California yeah. as well? I'm in Los Angeles as well. Okay, I need to have you over for Shabbat. I have to I say, my it. Persian yeah. cooking incorporates uh, some meat, but my daughter's challenging me, and actually tonight wow. I promised to make a stew. Sons meat. I'll bring the corned beef and my husband will have whatever. So fine. So Jenny, you recently had a, an exciting, uh, speaking about screens and TV, right? You had a exciting sighting on Shark Tank. Tell us, um, you know, as a, as a entrepreneur, what made you go there? What was the process? And tell, tell us a little bit about your experience. So I started this business and I live in Los Angeles. And after I started selling it to a few delis, a number of friends who were also sort of TV industry type of folk said to me, 
you got to bring this on Shark Tank. Like, it's a no-brainer. Like, this Jewish girl's peddling around little samples of corned beef to the owners of these delis and trying to make a splash in the deli world. Splashes hadn't been made in the deli world since, you know, the 1890s. <laughs> they were like, something. So uh, I filled in. It's like a 25-second long web query. You know, it takes like nothing to like just get it in there, the little application. And then they checked out the website, apparently. I was driving home on the 101 from a Netflix meeting because we got into a couple of movie studios. My husband, who's an industry TV industry guy, was like, get into the movie studios. That'll make you cool. All right, fine. I went to Fox. I went to Netflix. So so those those folks get to eat it. But um, I'm driving home from that meeting, and I got a phone call from the casting director. You know, we're interested to bring you on. You have to submit a video, and then we'll let you know within two weeks. I submit the video. They called me the next day. They're like, we're putting you on the next round. I wound up going from like casting and working with producers to being actually on the show within one month. Wow. Which is sort of crazy. Yeah. And I was asking for $100,000 for 10% of the business. And I was willing in my mind to give up 30% because I wanted to make a deal and have a shark and have all this cool experience. And so, uh, I went through a series of questioning that honestly was not even that difficult. I felt like, like the spirit was like with me. Uh, it, uh, uh, funny, we had a, a friend of ours who, um, who, was, who was on the show once. I said to him, how do I prepare for this? And he goes, you have a baby and you have two kids. Hold your baby while she's screaming, while your two kids are fighting. <laughs> have your husband ask you financial questions. If you can handle that, you'll be fine in the tank. Great advice. That's sort of how I prepare. That's how you just have to prepare for everything. And this is the power of the woman, you know? And, uh, and I got out there and it was easy. My, the hardest part was like the giving the pitch over because it's like you're like in drama class and like the biggest moment of the school play. And then you go into like sort of finance and then you go into history and all these different subjects. It's like the biggest final exam of your life. But uh, yeah, I came out where Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary made me an offer for uh, for a hundred thousand for twenty percent. That was my first offer. So I'm thinking in my mind, I just won this whole show. <laughs> and then uh, Mark Cuban said, I'm gonna make this real easy. I also want twenty percent, but I'll give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And Mark Cuban, you got yourself a deal. So so exciting. Was, and how is that? So how has that impacted? It, it was relatively new, but has that already impacted your work and your distribution or your presence? Yeah, good question. Uh, you know, I, I email him. Uh, you know, activities and things that are happening each week. And, you know, I write him these like long glowing emails. And he sends back yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he's got a team under him that I'm able to access for sales and all different things. And then I can CC him on emails to like open big doors. So, you know, I'm still uncovering what, what like a lot of the value is, but it's exciting. It's exciting to have the name. He also happens to be Jewish. He recently went vegetarian he mentioned to me on the show during the taping, although it didn't make its air, that his family, when they came through Ellis Island, also worked in the Lower East Side oh, wow. deli scenes. So it feels like a really beautiful story. Yeah, in yeah, fact, nice uh, alignment, right? In fact, speaking of alignment, you know, one of the principles in, in Judaism is is on reincarnation. People think of it like this, like kind of Eastern idea, but it's like a, a completely Judeo-Christian idea. And uh, and it, it occurred to me just perhaps because his family was in the Lower East Side deli scene, but also formerly was in Romania. He actually said that on the air, which is where my family came from. And Incredible. it made me think, you know, maybe in some past lives, someone owed someone something, and then they repaid it a little bit in New York and the Lower East Side, but they had to come here to have this to fully culminate it. So 
we never know the, the under. I mean, even if you think of it from a biological standpoint, you know, if you trace back far enough, you very well could have had some commonality in your background. So on so many levels, there's, there's connection there. Yes. And we talked, um, this has been a great conversation, by the way. So thank you. I've really enjoyed hearing about your story and your passion. And, and um, as always, um, you know, when somebody's truly passionate about something and, and working with purpose, um, it's beautiful how, the, how the, the universe conspires in your success, right? So congratulations to you. And, um, and so this is, I want to end with this question, which is very, um, personal to me. And I think, um, I think a lot of listeners are also, um, would be intrigued to know, which is this whole issue of, of time. You know, I feel like time is the primary boundary that people experience, um, in, in their lives in making, uh, time for family. So, you know, it's a boundary to connection in making time for food and health and for themselves, particularly mothers. You know, I always thought that as a working person, that time was a challenge, but come to know that so many of my friends and family who are not working outside of the home, but working exclusively in the home have even more of a difficult time to, uh, to find that time for themselves. So, so you're a mom of three, you're an entrepreneur, right? You're actively engaged in your own personal well-being and health. How do you make time to fit food in um, and to really give it the intention that you do? In full disclosure, since I've had a young baby and have been working so hard in this business, there's been a lot of takeout. Uh, a lot of vegan takeout, but a lot of takeout, which I, I don't love for a number of reasons. There's oftentimes a lot of oil and extra salt than you would normally cook for yourself. And so also not to mention a lot of garbage and far more money. So there are a lot of reasons I, I don't like that. But but it's, it's, it's the corner that I've cut in order to kind of keep everything else, you know, in flow. Um, and and it's, unfor- it's, it's a strange truth that I've, I've actually shared with a, a number of others in the industry, which is I used to cook dinner every night for my family. And now that I'm in the food business, I like don't cook anymore. But I feel, you know, that this, this mission of feeding folks this delicious food, you know, further and wider, just, just the other day, we delivered two pallets, which was like 3000 pounds. I used to drive across town to deliver 20 pounds, you know, now it's like, big 18 wheelers are coming. It's, you know, so that takes the place of, you know, the shortcut that is happening here with my family, but it is a bit of a new year's resolution to try and do a little more cooking. And I certainly know hacks and, you know, 12 minute dinners that can happen. Those exist. And a couple of them are actually on my little food blog of mine. If you want to Google like 15 minute vegan dinners, there are many of them out there. So so yeah, it's um, it's a balancing act. No one's got it right, you know. Uh, Absolutely, we're all bringing it yes. right. And I think Jenny, that's a that's such a, a generous admission on your part because people um, who know your story and who hear you uh, may have this idea that um, you know you're you've got the apron on every day, and and the reality <laughs> is that everybody has to make do with what they have and. And to go back to what we were saying before, that it doesn't have to be perfect, right? It can be a 10-minute dinner. It can be every other night as long as you uh, have the intention of, of making it work. 
Yeah. Um, perfection actually, you know, really bites you in the ass. You really have to be willing to put out, you know, the messy version in order to, to have success at anything new. So, yeah. Right. And it's an evolution, right? It's a, it's a sure. process. So thanks again, Jenny. It's been wonderful to have you and congratulations on your successes so far. And we wish you more growth, more abundance, more success and keep us posted. Amen. And thank you so much for being such a light and a lovely person and a fabulous interviewer. Everyone's so lucky who gets to hear a little slice of you each, each week. Thank you. Thank you.